What's good, everybody, and welcome to Body Bag Podcast. I'm Chris Thomas, and with me, as always, Broke Writer Dave. How are we doing, everybody? And everything makes sense now. I found out something like two seconds before I hit record that it makes the last two hours that I spent make total sense. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if I should. I don't know if I should just leave that as a little thing until we get to our movie review or if i should just kind of or if i will taste for our uh what's going to be coming up in our movie review when we get there all right just remind me when we get there when i when i say that everything makes sense now yeah all right but we're we're reviewing house on haunted hill a little bit later yes the remake 1999 remake not the vincent price classic i can now officially say i've seen both yeah (laughs) this was my first time seeing that Really? Okay. And it'll be interesting to kind of compare the two once we once we get there. Yeah. But I'll leave that because I, I literally just watched the ending right now. I was just finishing up watching it and then we hit record. So it's all fresh, but I will leave that. Yes. But we have homework. We have homework, yes. Yes, we did. I believe I gave you Death Becomes Her. Yes, you did. And I had a knock at the cabin. Since I'm going to definitely have a lot to say when it comes to House on Haunted Hill, why don't you go ahead and get us started with uh, your homework first? All right. So you gave me Death Becomes Her, 1992 dark comedy. Yeah, we're going kind, 90s. Kind of in the same realm of the burbs. A little bit of comedy, little a lot of macabre stuff in there. I mean, it says comedy, but this movie wasn't it's dark. Funny. You didn't think so? No, I found this movie boring. This movie was hilarious. Too. I love this movie, Death Becomes Her. Like, it has a great cast of Meryl Streep, Bruce Willis, Goldie Hunt, but I just found it so boring when I was watching it last night. Really? Yes. That's that's weird. That, that movie is very entertaining to me. And it also had... The humor just wasn't there for me. I was like... I kind of put that humor around the same level as kind of like Beetlejuice. Like, I kind of... It kind of has the same feel. Yeah. Of, all right. Well, I guess I. Yeah, know. I don't know. Yeah. All right. Well, go. Well, go ahead and just ex- explain. So the story follows like a novelist who loses her fiance to an actress who is also her friend, causes her to kind of put on some weight and it go, you know, kind of hit rock bottom, end up in a mental institution. Right. Fast forward, she has lost all the weight, looks exactly the same she did. About 12 years prior. And she has a kind of like a book premiere party. And she invites her friend, played by Meryl Streep, who stole her husband. And from there, she kind of like plays both sides of it. Like, you know, she talks to Meryl Streep alone. She's like, I don't blame you for what happened. It was all his fault. He was weak. Meryl Streep is kind of like... Like she doesn't even want to be there because she's aged and, and yeah, an aging actress looking down as her prime is winding down. And the husband, played by Bruce Willis, used to be a plastic surgeon who's now an undertaker. And then she gets Bruce Willis alone. She's like, I don't blame you. You know, it's what she always does. Right. And she tries to slowly try to get Bruce Willis to. Come back fall back her. and fall back yeah. in love with her. Yeah. And through this, Meryl Streep is like getting advice from people on ways to look younger. 
Yeah, she's very much that uh, her her golden years are behind her, and she's yeah. trying to she 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 wants to stay in the public eye and limelight. And yeah, and then after she sees Goldie Hawn looking as good as she did when you know back in her earlier years, she decides to go see this weird like doctor she was suggested, who ends up it gives her a potion of was. Immortality juice or something. Yeah, immortality juice, basically. Makes you young forever, basically. Yeah, you don't age anymore. And your body, like, kind of reverts back to what it was when it was in its prime. Yeah. And then... But it is expensive. Very expensive. It's like, they don't tell you a number, but it's like... Yeah. I think she says it's tailored to uh, everybody's... Everybody has a different price range, and so you gotta assume it's like, well... You're going to have to give up a lot for this. Yeah. And while she's doing that, Goldie Hawn is chatting with Bruce Willis up, and they're coming up with a plan to kill her. <laughs> yeah. So they could be together. Right. And as Meryl Streep gets home, Goldie Hawn sneaks out, and her and Bruce Willis get into an argument, which leads to him pushing her down the stairs. Yeah, Meryl, Meryl Streep didn't have this... Uh... Uh potion for since she would have died yeah. she, she had no she had this potion for less than like two hours, hours and, and, <laughs> and she gets pushed down the stairs oh and it came with some caveats yeah uh, the uh the potion like you're like you can take this potion but you have to every 10 years you have to kind of uproot yourself and like move or else people will get yeah. suspicious and keep your body healthy you know take care of your body basically so, yeah so the fact that she snapped her neck and she should, yeah, yeah, the yeah. nerve of her of getting pushed down the stairs and breaking her neck. And that causes Bruce Willis to be like, oh my god, I killed my wife. So he calls Goldie Hawn and says, I did it. I killed her. And they're like, okay, what do we do next? And Meryl Streep gets up and her head's on backwards. Yeah, she's dead. Well, yeah, she's alive. She's alive, but not really. But yeah. I gotta tell you, yeah. man, as, as you're explaining me this story, I'm. It's making me even more bummed out that you didn't <laughs> find it funny. Yeah. That you found it boring. Yeah. So he's like, uh, I don't know what you do. Maybe it's like a dislocated neck or something. Yeah. Maybe you just need to go to the doctor. Yeah. Takes her to the hospital. Doctor's like, uh, I don't know what's going on here. You don't got a heartbeat. Yeah. And then she kind of she passes out, and then they're like, Oh, she's dead, and takes her to the morgue. So Bruce Willis goes down there, grabs her from the morgue, and takes her home. And he starts doing like his Undertaker stuff to make her look yeah, radiant his, and alive. Yeah, that's what his his job was basically to prepare the bodies to for open casket funerals. So yeah, he kind of knows to all right, you do this to make basically so you don't look dead. Yeah, and then Goldie Hawn comes to the house, with all the stuff to bury Meryl Streep, but you know she's not dead, so. Ernest, we agreed with what we were going to do. Yeah. He's upset. Yeah, and because he struck us, which caused Meryl Streep to grab a shotgun, shoot Goldie Hawn. Yep. So they think she's dead. A couple minutes later, she gets up, and they realize, oh, she took the immortality potion as well. So they both realize, well, we're we're immortal. We can't oh, really... They well, die. they tried to kill each other, but... Yeah, they can't. And this causes Bruce Willis to just freak out. He's like, you know what? I'm going to fix you guys up, and then I'm leaving. I will say I'm that... I'm not doing this. I'm done. Most of the humor that I got was definitely from Bruce Willis in this movie. 
Yeah, he was probably the best part of the movie. <laughs> he's, he's, when Goldie Hawn like, comes back to life and she's walking around, and he's like, it's another miracle. Yeah. She just has a huge hole in her stomach. Yeah. So he fixes them up, and as he's getting ready to leave, they're like, what's going to happen when he's gone? How are we going to keep oh, yeah, ourselves they, together? Yeah. They, they've reconciled. They It was like some old high school like yeah. bullshit that they like. It all stemmed from... I took your boyfriend and you thought I was cheap. Yeah. And and then they, after like a decade and a half of of them hating each other, yeah. They bury the hatchet. Buddy, buddy, yeah. So they come up with a plan to force him to take the potion. Need him alive. Yeah, need need to keep him alive. So they take him to the doctor. And she's having a party with all of her clients that she has given this potion to. Elvis included. Elvis, Marilyn Monroe. People of that nature. Oh, and I forget how old that the... Because this woman is very young. This is like a supermodel-looking woman, the woman who's given these uh, immortality potions. Yeah, when she was first talking to the she's like, how old do you think I am? She's like, I don't know, 27? Something like that. And she's like, no, I'm 71. And he's like, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. And she loves flaunting it, too. Yeah. She's always walking Just, around, like, half-naked. Oh, basically half-naked the entire movie. I ain't mad at you. Yeah. So they knock Bruce Willis out, take him over there, and they try to get him to take the potion. He's like, no. So the doctor and her bodyguards, Meryl Streep, Billy Hunter, chase him through the entire mansion. Yeah, he has the immortality. She, like, she oh, gives it to him, and, and he, like, puts it in his pocket, and he's, like, uh, running away. Yeah. Ends up on the roof, falling off the roof, hanging by his suspenders. And they're like, take the potion, or you're going to die. That's the only and, way. Like, he's about yeah. to fall to his death, so. Yeah, it's a fall. It is a far fall for him. And he's like, no. So he falls pretty far through a window into a pool. That was lucky. Yeah. Even though falling from that distance hitting water would be like hitting concrete, but okay. Eh, he, he, he smashed through glass and probably broke his fall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he's, he survived and he went on with his life. Yep. Um, he, but, he died of old age. Yeah. And was it like... 37 years later. Yeah, about that. They they are at his funeral. And they're, and they're talking about all the great things he did after 50. And he and they look like shit. Yeah. And basically, they're like, this guy showed that you could do anything after 50. He started a family, climbed mountains, started charities. You know, because we really don't know much of what he did beforehand. But He is a legacy that will truly live forever. forever. He really captured the secret of immortality. They, they laugh. laugh. Yeah. And as they're walking out of the church, they fall down the stairs and their bodies just fall apart. They've been forced to kind of uh, take duct care of each other. Yeah. Duct tape each other. Like, kind of. Ke- I don't know what they've been doing over the years, but they just f- completely screwed their entire body structure up. Yeah. Um, you would think that it would just be a matter of, oh, just put on makeup every day so you don't look pale. But yeah. it's I, you don't know what they did apparently over the course of like thirty years, but they jacked their bodies up. Well, I think as let's say like technically died, but they're immortal. Yeah, they their did heart technic- stop beating, so there there's no blood flow or anything. So that's what I even meant. Even though they're alive, their bodies decaying. Yeah, but I mean, at least for the uh, yeah, I guess. But so I I get yeah, that part's not not. That's yes. why one of the it's rules explained. is like, you got to take care of your body, you know. Yeah, because you will keep living even if your body is kind of like getting messed up. If your body's dead, yeah. And uh, that is essentially the movie. It ends with them kind of yeah. breaking into pieces and like 
on a comedic note, like where did we park? Yeah, oh, I'm sorry that you didn't like it. That yeah, one, that's kind of a, for me. Yeah, that was kind of a bummer. I, 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 whenever that movie comes on, I always, I always find that movie funny. Yeah, that's kind of boring. So I think that. All right, well, I'll, I'll let you go ahead. And is there any part of the movie that you did like? I mean, probably uh, after she first falls on the stairs and her head's twisted around. It's trying to do things with her body backwards. Uh, Meryl Streep just kind of yeah. doing a little bit of physical comedy. Yeah. All right, well, go ahead and just break yeah. it down then. And uh, you can right. tell me what you really uh, thought. Uh, well, story, I'd probably, it's a decent story, I'd probably give it a five. Okay. And like technicals, like everything shot well, it's acted well, scores well, so I'd probably give it a seven and a half for technicals. Mm-hmm. And then enjoyment, I'd probably give it a four. That bad, huh? I I, uh, I just didn't enjoy it. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, you, the I can say from some of the stuff that you have recommended to me these past little bit, yeah. uh, including the one we're gonna watch a little bit later, I think I've kind of found your wheelhouse. All right. All right. Uh, well, bummer. Yeah. That means that means it I think happens. I think that means that the uh, the uh, only winner of the homework that I've given you was the Burbs, isn't it? Yeah. Like I think so. Yeah. Like, I'm trying to think because I gave you Lake Mungo, I gave you Intruders, I gave you Tetsuo, and then I gave you the Burbs, and then I I, I I thought that there was one more since this is six movies. Yeah. I thought I I thought I gave you six unless after the first one is when we started doing them. Yeah, I think maybe after the first one. Ah, well, dang it! So <laughs> yeah. I guess out of five movies, I only recommended you a a one good one, which was the Burbs. Yeah. Which I think is probably the lowest rated out of all of them. I think yeah, I know your weird, wheelhouse. Yeah. I think I know your wheelhouse. You just have no class. Yeah, evidently. Uh, nah. But, um, yeah. all right. Well, bummer. Right, I'll go ahead and say this, though, because uh, you want me to get to my homework. Yeah. Uh, knock at the Cabin. All right. So, um, Knock at the Cabin. It has been a while since I've seen an M. Night Shyamalan movie. Yeah. And Back- with M. Night Shyamalan, it's a coin toss. And, it's either going to be good or be fucking terrible. In fact, the last time I saw a movie of his in the theater was Avatar, The Last Airbender. Oh, no. So I kind of like I've, I've always sung his prayer. I always gave him benefit of the doubt. I've said a couple of times that I think he'd be good at A24 and yeah. that at least he takes scripts that aren't just generic. Yeah. So I've always respected the man for that. But you got to admit, much like A24, it's a coin toss whether or not you might like yeah. it or not. Yeah. So having said that, I'll go ahead and explain. Out in the middle of the woods, we see a little girl named, is it Wen? Yeah. Uh, she's collecting grasshoppers, uh, just doing little kid stuff. And yeah. then big ass Dave Bautista comes out of nowhere, just out of the, <laughs> just, yeah. just out of the brush, just out of the, yeah. out of nowhere, just big ass Dave Bautista comes walking up and talking and starts talking to Wen. Already kind of off-putting right off the bat, because I'll say that, like, it's creepy right off the bat, because, first off, you would never catch me talking to a little kid by themselves alone. Yeah. Like, especially in the middle of the forest. Not no. today. Not not nowadays. No. Uh, even, like, if my, like, my intentions would be 100% pure, but you wouldn't catch me talking to no, because I think she's, like, eight years old, or she's yeah. about to be eight. Wouldn't Someone else sees it. They get yeah. the wrong idea. Yeah. <laughs> What's this big-ass dude talking to this little eight-year-old in the middle of nowhere? Yeah, and, and big old six foot three, two hundred eighty pound Dave Bautista. Now I will say this, regardless of what I'll say, uh, regardless of what I think or whatever, Dave Bautista can act. 
Yeah, he because when he speaks to her, he's like very soft spoken for a guy that size. Which is because Dave Bautista, a lot of people just know him from Drax, but like I've seen him in yeah. this, I've seen him in uh, the Blade Runner sequel, where he, yeah, he can do very well as just this big soft spoken giant of a man. Yeah, and actually have some emotion behind it. So. Yeah. Uh, you know, much respect because not a lot of like fighters or WWE people or UFC fighters can can pull off acting as well. But I but Dave Bautista yeah. um, is definitely uh, I'd say he's he's getting up there in terms of having some acting chops, which. Yeah, because like most wrestlers kind of do the rock thing where they play the same character over and over again in every movie. Even when he plays in, in Guardians of the Galaxy as Drax and stuff like that, my favorite parts are when he's, like, reminiscing about being a dad and stuff like yeah. that. I was like, oh, man, this dude's sweet. Batista's talented, yeah. Yeah, so I'm going to just go ahead and say, say right off the bat, props to Dave Batista. Yeah. Fact, I think he was probably uh, my favorite part of the movie. Just, yeah, just he's right a big part of this movie, yeah. All right, so he starts talking to, the, to when the little girl, and he's, he's talking very vaguely. He's sitting here saying how he wants to be her friend, but that there's going to be some tough decisions that need to be made in the next yeah. short amount of time. And you're starting to think, oh God, what's this guy? guy but something violent's going to be happening yeah. shortly. So he basically scares her off just because of his vague language. Like she's smart yeah. enough to know, all right, this dude is a little off. Yeah. Uh, she runs inside uh, to her dads. Uh, her dads are Eric and Andrew, is it? I believe so, yeah. Eric and Andrew, same sex couple, which means something but also doesn't mean anything really uh, which yeah that makes sense a little bit later because when you find out yeah. that it's a same-sex couple i'm like oh god is this just is this gonna be like we're attacking i thought it was gonna be like uh the movie red state where it was gonna be like yeah. we're, we're, we're we're specifically targeting this same-sex couple yeah not to be the case we find out later so when goes in and says daddy eric daddy andrew there's some there's a dude out here and there's some people out here with weapons and they're oh yeah, yeah. batista is talking to this girl, and then all of a sudden, more people start showing up out of the woodwork carrying like weapons, non-automatic, yeah. but they're like just like handmade, like like uh, one thing is a melee weapons, yeah, me- yeah, melee weapons. She runs inside. Andrew and Eric hear Bautista knock at the cabin. You hear, and it's like, what's that? It's the knock at the cabin. Yeah, and Bautista is standing out on the porch, saying uh, basically saying, "Hey, look, uh, let us, you know, let us in." Yeah. <laughs> Let us in, and uh, we're not violent people. We're, we're, we, we're, they, Dave Bautista does portray a man who honestly yeah. regrets having to make the decisions that he's going to have to make. He's very apologetic about what he has to do. He knows that something painful is about to happen, but he does not want to do it. Yeah. Hey, hey look, there's that train. There's the train. There's the train. I was, I was yeah. worried that it... <laughs> the train is probably the third host of Body Bag Podcast. Right. <laughs> All right. But uh, Bautista gives them a couple of minutes to, a couple opportunities to, hey, open up the door, let yeah. us explain ourselves. They think that these guys are just like Jehovah's Witnesses and like, hey, get out of here. Then they eventually break down into the house, which yeah. I was like, you know, this entire time, I was like, you know, I'd have been trying to find a weapon. I'd have been like grabbing a knife from somewhere, uh, yeah, trying to like, bar up yeah. the door. Uh, big old Dave at your door, you try to find old... something. Yeah. Oh, but they find a, a rickety chair to put in front of the door, which I thought was yeah. funny. I was like, really? <laughs> the guy says that there's a that they have a gun, but it's out in the truck, which I don't know what good that was going to do him. Right. Like, th- there's a gun in the safe, but you leave it out in the truck. Like, I don't know why you wouldn't bring that in with you. 
Exactly. Like, but whatever. What's the point of bringing it if you're not going to bring it in the house with you? I mean, I'm sure they thought, well, we're out in the middle of nowhere, but that's exactly yeah. where they get you. Exactly. So Batista busts in, and Rupert Grant was in it, which I thought was... Yeah. He, Rupert Grant was putting on a southern accent, or, or maybe not <laughs> southern, but a, or kind of southern. Yeah. It's four people. Rupert Grant, Dave Batista, and two others who... Uh, off the top of my head, I do not... Uh, two women. Um, two women. Uh, while you're looking that up, I will also say that the one who plays Eric, the couple, I kept looking at him going, why does this guy look so familiar? I have seen this guy in something, and I cannot for the life of me place it. And then I looked it up, I was like, oh, that's Holden from Mindhunter. Like, I don't uh, know if- Nikki Amuka Bird mm-hmm. was the black like, like, she looks familiar, but where, I don't know where else I've seen her from. You know who she kind of is? Is that the uh, was that the the um, the the black the, uh, woman or the yeah uh, the black woman? Uh, the, uh, I the younger uh, white lady looked familiar. She kind of looked like if you saw the movie Venom, the Marvel one. She kind of looked like the uh, the woman who was following Tom Hardy and telling him about the symbiotes. Uh, that is played by Abby Quinn. That's that's who she kind of looked like to me. She kind of had a look of familiarity. Well, both of them did, but Bautista yeah. and and uh, Rupert Grant were the two recognizable faces for me. Yeah. And like I said, uh, the guy who played Eric, or the, Eric, the one who plays Holden on Mindhunter, which have you seen that show? I have not seen Mindhunter. Good show. I'd recommend it. All about uh, delving into the minds of psychopaths. Uh, but they break in. Eric gets a concussion. He falls. On, he fell on the ground, got a concussion while trying to fend off one of the people. And they tie him and Andrew to a chair. He comes to, and they're basically saying, all right, look, we don't want to do this, but here's the deal. The apocalypse is coming, and the only way to stop it is for one of you to sacrifice each other. Like, what, yeah. somebody here has to be sacrifice sacrificed. Sacrifice your yeah. So it's either going to be when Eric or Andrew... We're not allowed to make the decision for you, nor are we allowed to kill any of you. You have to make the decision, and if one of you gets sacrificed, then Doomsday will be averted. Obviously sounds like a crazy person. Meanwhile, uh, Dave Bautista is saying all this with a calm demeanor, trying to be as... He's trying to be as sympathetic and uh, non-threatening as possible. Meanwhile, Rupert Rupert Grint's character... Rupert Grint's gone fucking batshit. Redman, which, to be honest, I kind of agree with... His his name is Redman in the thing. Yeah. And honestly, I was kind of on board with him because he was like, look, (laughs) what what you're saying doesn't matter. Like, they're they're not going to believe you. Just, like, get to the point. (laughs) Like, just... like, Which I kind of agree. I was like, yeah, in fact, you're off-putting... Talking about this nonchalantly makes me feel even more scared because you're coming across very culty. I'd much rather I'd be listening to Rupert Grint's character, who obviously is like, "Look, man, this shit is like completely messed up. I don't want to be here and yeah. all this stuff. You know what? This, these little pleasantries don't matter. They're like, just yeah. get to the, like they don't care who you are. Just, <laughs> so I was like, yeah, kind of. Basically, they have four chances to sacrifice yeah. somebody. I don't know how they make the time, uh, like how they know, all right, it's time, but they, they well, ask all him. All four of them have been like getting visions of everything they needed to do, so. Yes, but I'm talking about yeah. like, like, oh, it's time for you to make a decision. I guess they knew that they had like X amount of hours, so they just divided it up like whatever. So. Well, each, uh, each of their deaths opens a judgment upon the world, so. Oh, yeah, no, I get that. Yeah. What, I, what I'm saying is like, 
I, I didn't know if they were like, oh, it's been five hours. Now it's time for you to try to do this. Let's try this again. I think it was once every 12 hours. Uh, all right. Well, let's just say it, for, it was once every 12 hours. And yeah, they say, are you going to sacrifice somebody? They said no. And Rupert Grint is like, please, uh, is, is starting to get on his knees and he's scared. He's crying. He puts a, a cloth over his face and Batista just, just hacks him right in the head. Yeah. Kills him. And then Batista turns on the news and says, or he says, a plague has now been unleashed upon the earth. Yeah. Turns on the news and it shows that a giant tsunami uh, has engulfed, was it Oregon? Yeah, like a big part of the West Coast. And it says, see, that, that was because you guys didn't do that. He said, you have until the next morning to yeah. to make a decision. Next morning comes, they do the same spiel. Um, the what, what was the uh, actress's name, the one who gets gets it next? Uh, Abby Quinn. Her character, they're, they're like tending to, their, uh, to the victim's wounds and everything, and they're trying to be as nice as possible, saying, we're not crazy, you know, we've got these visions and all of this stuff. And, and it's like, it's just very off-putting. Like, it just yeah. sounds very culty. And she basically says, I'm going to be the next one to go. I'm begging you. I got a son. Please, you know, I know this is an impossible ask, but you need to sacrifice somebody. And they're like, fuck no. Yeah. <laughs> and then kills her. And another plague has been unleashed upon the earth. They turn on the news. And I think this one was uh, a virus. A virus yeah. has uh, has been unleashed upon the earth or, or has uh, infected a bunch of people that'll kill kids and stuff like that. Now, at this point, I'm kind of like, you know, this is a kind of a smart narrative because I'm like, they're basically using all of this stuff saying, see, this is proof. But literally, I think it was more of a commentary about how of the kind of stuff that we get on the news, because yeah. I looked I looked up at Google as soon as we like halfway through this. And I was like, like, literally, you could turn on the news and attribute anything to Doomsday. And, and yeah. that was probably the point. School shooting, that was Doomsday. Coronavirus, yeah. that's Armageddon. Yeah. Uh, natural disaster. There's been 23 natural disasters in 2023 alone. And then I went to Google even further and saw there was two murder stories, uh, news about a recent flood, and Russian sent and Russia sending out uh, punishment battalions. I was like, yeah. you know, they could have easily just been like, if they just flipped the news on any point, if any of those stories came on, they could have been like, see, 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 yeah. And what was it? Andrew's one was like, yeah, like he could be timing all this out, knowing all this is going to happen. It's like the tsunami news was stuff that they pre- predicted like four hours ago. And it's like, yeah, they predicted that four hours. happens like six hours before the tsunami hit. So it's like, uh. Which I'm with him. I'm like, yeah, this, yeah. like, and literally, I think that was the point. And if that was, then yeah. that was a good narrative. I mean, like, yeah, the news is just so like doom and gloom right now that you could tr- tr- easily start a cult and attribute everything to like, this is Armageddon. Yeah. After that, Andrew and Eric break free and Eric makes a, no, Andrew makes a bolt for the uh, car. Cause there's a yeah. gun in there. Yeah. No. yeah. Uh, Eric is inside trying to fend off Batista and the other actress. I forget the woman's name. I forgot the actress's his main name. Uh, uh, Nikki Amuka bird. Uh, she chases him down to the car, breaks his leg or almost tries to break his leg or just tries to like, I guess spraying his kneecap or something like that. Yeah, just kind of stop him from fleeing. Yeah, but uh, he manages to kind of like throw some dirt in her eye, jumps in the car, goes for the gun, gets the gun trained on her. Now, at this point, I was like, you know, I know you're not a violent man, dude, but shoot this chick. 
Yeah. <laughs> like she, 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 he sends a warning shot, shoots past her, lets her run away. Yeah. Which I'm like, dude, that is so stupid. Why would you do that? Right. Like the, there's already been two dead people and your significant other is in the, your husband is in the cabin with your daughter. With Batista. With Batista. Kill this woman. Yeah. Sorry, but. You have <laughs> enough problems as it is right now. Yeah. So he goes in uh, to stop Batista, gets the gun trained on him. Uh, the woman comes out of nowhere and is about to tackle him, but she gets shot. Yeah. Another plague has been unleashed upon the earth. <laughs> they lock Batista in a bathroom, which I thought was dumb because there was a big window right there. Right. I was, I was, I was like, are you really about to lock Batista up in this bathroom where there's a big ass window for him to jump out right. of? And then once more, they hear him break the window and then open up the door. See if he went out. It yeah. to see if he went out. It. I was like, uh, even if he did go out, it keep the door closed. Like what? Right. What is opening that door going to accomplish? Yeah. If he goes out the window, he better get trained on each of the front and back door, get ready for him to come through. So, so Don't of course, go in the bathroom, yeah. So Bautista was hiding in the in the shower, jumps, tackles him. Now he's got the gun. Yeah. Puts on the news, says, look. Uh, and I think the last thing was that there was a, uh, uh, a cyber virus that went across and caused a bunch of planes to crash. Yeah. Planes At, are now falling out of the sky. As all this is going on, uh, Andrew is like... I don't believe you guys. You guys are full of shit. Eric is like slowly starting to believe them. Yeah. Andrew's like, dude, you're concussed. Like, you're not thinking straight, which I'm like, yeah, you're concussed. You're not thinking straight. Um, Bautista, uh, basically, he's like, the time is up. You guys got to make a decision. He goes out to the back deck with a knife and he says, he gives them a little backstory, which again, some good acting from Bautista. And it's like, once I kill myself, you got like, compliments to make this decision he he's telling them story about i used i was a, a coach for a girls basketball team. basketball team yeah um i love coaching kids you know they take your advice and blah blah blah. he's again he's like i want to see it tomorrow for these kids again damn good acting by Batista. Yeah. and he basically slits his throat and kills himself as uh rain clouds start forming like it looks like it's about to storm yeah eric is now fully on board thinking all of this is true yeah. Oh, and by the way, at this time, we've had a couple of flashbacks to their history. As a couple, yeah. Yeah, as a couple, in which... Not being they, accepted by parents, adopting, adopting their daughter, getting attacked in a bar for being gay, yeah. Yeah, one of them was even... They, they had run in with uh, Rupert Grint's character earlier. Yeah. He, was, uh, he was like a hateful guy who they yeah. saw at a bar. Eric says, hey, look, kill me. Uh, you know, I'm I'm at peace with this, and essentially Andrew shoots there. Andrew's kind of like starting to believe it too. Andrew gets killed, or Andrew shoots Eric. Yeah, because I kind of put it together that each of the people that were there were the four horsemen. Four horsemen of the apocalypse. Yeah, uh, I think it was malice, nurturing, guidance, Oops. and healing. Yeah, and they Andrew goes and collects uh when who was half hiding. And they drive to a nearby diner that's up the street. They go in, see on the news that all of all of these things that had taken place over the past 24 hours, the tsunami, the cyber attack on the planes, all that stuff was dying down. Yeah. And they attribute it to, well, the sacrifice was accepted. And, and then uh, when and Andrew drive yeah. off. Yeah, get to live their life. Yeah. Okay. So that was a uh, knock at the cabin. Yes. Um, all right, so a couple things. Uh, oh, let me, I guess I should say if I have a favorite scene. Um, 
I'll, I'll go I'll go I'll go ahead and say um just any scene with Bautista in it just him acting because he does a, he, I think he, he was the crush in this movie yeah Bautista was by far the best actor I mean everybody did their acting fine but Bautista was surprisingly like the best uh actor of this movie so I'll, I'll just go ahead and attribute to his ending speech just yeah. uh uh and later uh, they they find out that everything that they were saying was true in terms of like who they were, their backstories yeah. and whatnot. So that'll be my favorite scene. I will say good movie. Yeah. Good movie. I, I, I enjoyed this movie and it was, I, I'm glad that I got to see a movie from M night that I was like, Hey, you know what? Not bad. Yeah. What was it? Perfect. No. Did it have some scenes that I was like, come on now? Yeah. But overall I, I thought it was a pretty decent movie. Yeah. For me, this might be, one of my top movies for this year. Um, I will say, though, at the end, I kind of wish they didn't leave it open-ended because they never say for certain one way or the other. Like, what do you mean? All... Everything stops. Yeah, but that still could that all be coincidence. That still could Chris, all be coincidence. No. There's no definitive Everything proof. just stops once they make the sacrifice. Yeah, everything, and you're like, that's coincidence? No, everything get event- out of here. Everything eventually stops at some point. Thunder. Big storm clouds were forming and immediately just dissipated once sacrifice was made. You could have easily written this in a way where it was like, yeah, it was all seriously coincidence. Like, yeah, but they didn't. They showed everything stopped. After I know, but the sacrifice was made. I know, but what if showing? Yeah, uh, let me ask you this: It's not open ended at all. I say it's open ended because there is it's no not. actual definitive proof that all of this is like true. Because they could have went, because I guarantee you, if they went to the diner and then they saw all that stuff was still going on, like the world's not ending, but all, you know, that tragedy shit was still going on. They would have been like, oh, so they were full of shit (laughs) and they just made me, uh, they just wrote me into believing that that was true because that was the whole point when they, that's the whole point I was making in the middle where I said, if you turned on the TV, you will see tragedy going on. And You're you, saying it's open-ended, but they show you them riding down the road with the sun shining. So? Happy ending. Just because they something is happening. They have the apocalypse. Yeah. I know, but It's that, not open-ended at all. Well, I choose to believe I will that. fight you on that. It's not open-ended at all. What other ending do you need? Do you need God's voice to come down? No apocalypse is happening. You know? No, all you needed to do was just... It's because there's no... Just because there's natural disasters happening and then they stop doesn't mean anything. You had tsunamis a virus happening planes flying out of the sky all in the span of two days i know but i believe and it but just i believe that was after the sacrifice i yeah. believe that that was just part of the initial smart t- storytelling where yeah. it was like if you just put on anything on the news the news is just filled with such bad shit going on all the time that you could easily I get what you're saying but be but like they went with the natural disasters were so over the top that if it actually did happen like that, it would probably be close to like because like day. because like, if you popped on and saw oh yeah coronavirus and stuff like that, eventually I mean they eventually came up with a cure. Would you have been like oh somebody must have sacrificed their uh, their kid because oh we have a coronavirus cure now? No, but if all this shit's happening and like tsunamis halfway through hitting the shore again just dissipated. Well, I think that it was being intentionally hyperbolic like that to enforce that kind of narrative. Yeah, I just don't see how it's an open-ended ending. I just think it. I think it's just open-ended in that, like, all right, it's fine. They they believe that. But I'm just saying, if you if they went to the thing, to the diner, and it said, yeah, all the stuff is still going on, it still doesn't necessarily mean that it was the end of the world. 
Yeah, true, but they didn't. Everything stopped. Well, then that's kind of my, like, I, I believe that the movie was intentionally supposed to be open-ended. And I think that was probably the intent. I don't think it was. Because because M. Night loves fucking twists. And I believe that that was the twist that it was building towards. Of it just being kind of open-ended, like, well, maybe it did. Like, maybe. And, in fact, I, if the if the twist was that, all right, well, let's, let, all right, let's do I choose to believe that it was intended to be open-ended. Um, so, should I just go with my breakdown real quick? Yeah. Uh, technical, seven and a half. All right. Uh, shot very well. I always like a movie that's nice and isolated. Um, it, it makes the actors have to, you know, pull their weight, yeah. which, like I said, Bautista was doing a lot of the heavy lifting, which is good because he's a strong man. Story. I was going to say six and a half just because uh, Andrew and Eric made a bunch of dumb decisions especially near the end when it came down to them like opening up like they didn't ha- prepare a bunch like like they should have like Andrew or Eric had a Andrew had a straight line for the car saw yeah. that what's her face was chasing after him and still let her like bust him in the kneecap um but enjoyment I did say 7 yeah so overall I still think it was a good movie yeah um and and uh I'm I'm going to enjoy it even more knowing that Dave is wrong. It was an open-ended ending. It's not. <laughs> it's it's an ending. Everything just stops though. Like if all these natural disasters slowly, slowly, they didn't all completely. Have- they didn't they all completely stop. stop. Yeah, they didn't all completely yeah. stop. They said that the flooding, the, the most intense part, has subsided. They they just and they just said for the virus, we haven't had any. Um, deaths in the last two hours that's just vague enough to be like all right well all right the the worst of the flooding is over not it hasn't just miraculously gone away but the flooding has that the worst of it was over the virus okay it's been two hours since our last death so it's kind of tapered off a little bit which means if if death stopped happening two hours ago that means it would have stopped even before uh they killed eric so the whole point was that's why I'm saying it's open in is like all of this stuff and even the earthquake and tsunami, they were even saying stuff that happened. Yeah, this stuff happened like six hours ago. Yeah, I'm just saying it's not an open ending. It's a pretty self explained ending. It's a, it's 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 left vague enough for them to believe that they did something. But like I said, just what all right, so there hasn't been any deaths in two hours. Well, that must mean it's all over. Oh, the flooding Oh, the flooding is still here. It just isn't as intense as it was an hour ago. Oh, it's going it away. Have... Yeah, it's going away. Yeah. Yeah, but that doesn't mean anything. Like, it just just because it wasn't as intense as it was an hour ago doesn't mean it's gone. But hey, look, man, if you want it to be a happy ending, <laughs> I just say... a happy ending. It's a closed book. There's nowhere left for the story to go from there. I don't say that there needs to be any more to the story. I'm just saying I I think it's open ended. Our first argument here on Body yeah. Bang, <laughs> Body Bang Podcast. It feels but like when you say it's is... open ending, you mean there's more to the story. No, open things ending. that are left open. And open to interpret. Open into interpretation. How about that? Is that yeah. better? Is that better way to put it? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I'll say that it was open to interpretation, not open. Yeah. In, the story is done. I yeah. don't mean. I don't mean to say that there's more to the story. The story is a complete story. I'm not yeah. sitting here saying that. Well, what happened here? What happened there? The the story is a complete story. Yeah. But... When I hear open ended, I hear there's. Loose when, angles that need to be tied up that weren't tied up in the story. When I hear like, open ending, talk about? when I hear open ending, I think I maybe I mean to say open to interpretation. Yeah, is that is that a better there's, way to put it? 
Yeah, there's very many different ways to interpret this movie. Then that's what I mean. Maybe yeah. I maybe I misspoke. Uh, maybe uh, maybe yeah. I'm getting the phrases mixed up. I mean to say that I think that the ending is open to interpretation. Yeah. But as a story, it is a complete story. Yeah. All right. I uh, I guess it was just a miss. I guess I just misspoke. Yeah. Yeah. So I, so that I think we can both agree on that the story yeah. is complete. It's done. There's no more to the story. It's complete no. as it is. But don't I need just, a sequel. Don't need a sequel. I just happen to interpret it one way, and you t- interpret it another. Yeah. So, yeah. which I think was the intent anyway. Tell this movie, yeah. Oh, so we do agree. I just, I guess, I'm just shitty yeah. at talking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we just have different definitions of open endings. I guess. I always thought like an open ending basically mean it could mean whatever you want, but well, I, I guess it's like it's the story's open for more to be added on. Oh no, that's not at all what I meant. Yeah. I, I just meant. From now on, I'll, I'll say it open to interpretation. Yeah. Yeah. As a whole story, it, it has a beginning, middle, end. Doesn't, in fact, it's perfect as a closed story like this. Yeah. So, And again, I enjoyed it. I was glad to see that M. Night had a movie that I was like, yeah. oh, you know what? You know, it was filmed good. I, I wasn't annoyed. Even the little kid was competent. Um, the kid's acting was good. So, yeah. Yeah. Kid's acting was good. Um, and I do like it as an... Uh, uh, as an open ending, which is what I thought was the intent. Yeah. Not an open ending, yeah. sorry. Open to interpretation. Open to interpretation, yeah. Which I thought was, you know. Initially, I was like, man, I should. I think you should have like gone one way or just stuck to think. You know, you should. But the fact that we're even talking about it like this means, yeah. you know what? It was good that it was open to interpretation. Yeah. Uh, I think that I think I re- uh, that puts it at like a 20 and a half out of 30. See, I think I had it like 24, 25. Oh, you mean for your personal? Re- yeah, when I read it, yeah. Um, which is still good for me. I like yeah. uh, a lot of movies that end up like around like if you were to break it down at a, a hundred point scale. A lot of movies I like are in like sixty to like seventy five. Yeah. Um. So I'll say good on you. Now I need to watch The Visit. Yeah. Because I've heard people say that this has been his best movie since The Visit. I haven't seen The Visit yet. But I heard good things about that one. Um, so because uh, I think like, I thought about watching Old, but everyone says that movie's so terrible. Yeah, I, I've I've seen the reviews for that one, and I I know the twist, and that seems like that would be a movie that I would watch just to be. I'd have to watch that with somebody. You can't watch old by yourself. <laughs> I love that we were sitting here. I was going like, "Wow, mom and dad's first argument on the show," and then it turned out, "Oh no, it was just because Christmas spoke, and he meant to say open to interpretation." But it, it, they're literally yeah. in agreement. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like movies like this, you're supposed you're always going to have many different interpretations of the ending. Yeah. Much like with the yeah. Inception, which I like it being open-ended like that. Yeah, exactly. uh, Open to interpretation. Interpretation, yeah. All right, so I guess, uh, you know, I'm I'm willing to continue this homework stuff into next season. Oh, I, so am I, definitely, yeah. Because I can't just leave it at only one out of the five movies that I gave you um, <laughs> turned out to be good. So uh, now having said that, and this being our last... Well, wow, man, this is a, this is our last homework and our last review of the season, like yes. individually. So, uh, before we move on to uh, House on Haunted Hill, which I'm going to let you take over. All right. What was your least and what was your most favorite of your homework? Least was probably Tetsuo. Okay. And then it was just too much for you. Probably, yeah. And then my favorite's probably the Burbs. Yeah. Um, for me, I'd probably say my least favorite was Thirty Miles from Nowhere. Yeah, that was one you did not like at all. And I did like Ginger Snaps. Yeah. Oh, I think I remember the other one that I gave you. 
The other one was Intruder. Yeah, you just, yeah, that was Did the I? first one. Yeah. That was the first one. So it was I gave you Intruder, Lake Mungo, oh, Tetsuo, oh, so the Burbs. Oh, uh, what was the other one that I, I liked? Oh, uh, Genetic Opera. Genetic Opera, yeah. So two that I liked, yeah. So you had because I knew that there was another one. I just couldn't remember. So yeah. you thought Genetic Opera was okay? Was pretty good, yeah. And you did like the Burbs. I didn't like um, Thirty Miles from That's Nowhere. Funny. Yeah. But my favorite was probably Ginger Snaps, which I which might is a actually good classic movie. Yeah. Which I might uh, have all of these. I might just put out reviews in case people who haven't listened to the thing i'm doing my 31 days 31 reviews i might put yeah. all of those in this 31 days all right uh well i said i will step aside and if you want to go ahead and at least uh get us started with house on haunted hill not the 1959 version 1999 version oh but i will say this because yeah. i said um it all started to make sense yeah let's get into that yeah and it all be makes sense because if you've seen House on Haunted Hill is a classic, but have you ever thought, <laughs> I wonder what House on Haunted Hill would be like if it was directed by William Malone? <laughs> because that, I, that, I, that's what I found out two minutes before is we started. Did you direct this? <laughs> yeah, it was William Malone, which I kept sitting here going, man, why am I getting Fear.com vibes from this movie? Man, let's... <laughs> then I found out, oh, it's our yeah. old boy Will, old, old Billy Malone. Oh, man, William Malone. Uh, so I'm guessing you didn't... Such a... yeah, I didn't know, but... I mean, he got something right. I will say that I uh, just, I'm not going to say whether it's good or bad, but I will say that this uh, was more enjoyable than Fear.com. Yeah. But uh, go ahead and take it from there. All right. So, you want to start with uh, a, uh, sorry, start off with a one sentence sum up, if you will. Yeah, that's what I was about to do. Oh, sorry, my bad. I'm going to shut up. House on the Haunted Hill. You can have a husband throwing a birthday party for his wife, and they invite five guests into this haunted house. And if they survive the night, they get a million dollars very nice and whoever doesn't make it the rest of the people get that cut of money so not a bad deal no and this movie i always forget about like the opening scene of this movie oh yeah i was like is it uh, <laughs> yeah it's because they opened this movie showing you what happened into this haunted house which was like a mental asylum in la during the 50s and it shows you the scene of when the mentally insane patients took over the asylum you know who the evil mad surgeon was right uh jeffrey combs yeah old reanimator himself exactly which when i saw that i was like oh okay i mean this movie has a pretty solid cast oh i was one over when i saw him and then i saw jeffrey rush jeffrey rush tay diggs ali lautner mm -hmm. a very very 90s cast what was uh fam like chris Catan, yeah. um Famica Jansen playing uh, his wife. Oh, yeah. you want to say what his name is? Uh, was it Stephen Price? Yeah, an obvious nod yeah. to Vincent Price. Yeah, so it follows Stephen Price, who is a amusement park millionaire, makes his money off of ride scare gimmicks rides. and scare rides and all that. It shows him showing off his new wife while having a phone conversation with his wife, who's saying, I want to have my birthday party here. I sent you a guest list. You know, this is what I want. He said, okay, cool. And I gotta he say, shreds her guest list. Mm -hmm. And he writes down five names to invite. Because, you know, paying homage to Vincent Price, husband and wife absolutely despise each other. I will say that I liked his amusement park. Yeah. You, uh, yeah have twice. you ever had yeah. a roller coaster start at the top? What? Riding up the elevator and like, oh, what's happening? I don't know. So it happens. Falls. 
with a television screen. It's like, oh, that was a ride. I love that like his rides have gimmicks to make it look like it's a faulty thing and that you're going to yeah. die on these roller coasters. Like one person thinks, oh, something happened and the track is going to like sab- get sabotaged and, and we're all going to die. I thought that was pretty cool as a gimmick. Yeah, and then after he types out these five names, he leaves the room and then you just see all the five names get deleted and a whole new five get put in. Ooh. Yeah, five people who all had something to do with the original Asylum. Which we, yeah, we eventually find. Yeah, you find that out. So, the five people arrive at the party, which is Tay Diggs, Ali Lautner, Chris Kattan. Oh, oh, what's that guy's yeah, name? Uh, uh, some Peter Gallagher. Peter Gallagher. Because yeah. uh, I kept thinking that was uh, Eric Roberts. That was uh, Peter Gallagher. Wait, uh, yeah. He's the one we eventually find out. Yeah, this doctor, and you got Bridget Wilson, who used to be a uh, TV host. They're all here to get their money, and then you have the guy who owns the house. Was his name Uh, Carl? Uh, are you talking about Chris Kattan's character? Yeah, I think so. The Uh, guy who owned the house, the one who didn't want to be there. Yeah. Uh, his name I can bring it up real quick because I got the uh, thing right here. That was. Or his name, Chris Kattan, plays Watson Pritchett. Watson Pritchett. Yeah. So when they arrive at the house, you have Watson Pritchett kind of like rushing them into the house. Yeah, I think I think uh, Stephen Price. Like, yeah. Was is like, I'll give you like a, a sum of money for letting us do this in here. Yeah. And he just wants so to get out. Like rush him into the house, and they're asking questions. Like I don't know. You have to ask Mister Price when you get in the house. Because Pritchett said that he grew up in that house, right? Well, he grew up with his family owning the house. Oh, okay. I, I don't was know like, if he ever stayed the night in there. Well, uh, we eventually find out he does because he's like, he recognizes some of the stuff that was in it. Yeah, well, he grew up around the house, like a saint. Oh, but I he probably he never stayed stay the there night. past. Yeah. Oh, but he, but he, but he he's left for a certain time. Yeah. He, he, he knows the inside of the house somewhat. Yeah. Like he was trying to leave before he gets him all in the house and he, you know. Mm-hmm. Vince Price is explaining the rules to him all. He's like, okay, Stephen Price. I my- yeah, Stephen Price. He's like, can I get my money now so I can leave? Sure. And as he leaves, all of the windows and doors get slammed shut by steel barricades. Yeah. And he's much, like, this, yeah. this is what I was trying to avoid. Much like in the first one, the, the, the all the entrances are barred up and you can't leave until dawn. Yeah. And he's like, oh, well, we're all going to die now. They're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> he's like, the house is alive. They're like, yeah, okay, dude. Which if I was, if that, yeah. if I felt that strongly about it, I would have just told Stephen Price, I would have just told him, just mail me my check. If I, if I really believed that this house was as haunted as, as, he was, as he's terrified that it is, I wouldn't have gone inside. I'd have just been like, uh, just give me the money, uh, wire it to me, and uh, yeah, have fun. I think he was trying to get his check because he knew Stephen Price wasn't coming out of the house the next day. Oh, because he... to get the money first, yeah. Well, that's what I mean. I would have just said, hey, like, give me the money up front and then I'm out of yeah, here. Yeah, I need the money now, yeah. Just mail it to me uh, or, you know, not cut it close. I got to be out of here in 30 seconds. And so his wife comes down. She's like, who the hell are all these people? Uh, and Stephen Price is like, I don't know. I shredded your list invited five people but these aren't the people i down so mm-hmm. how would you change my list she's like i didn't and yeah i forgot uh i forgot uh just as a side note i forgot how fine femica jensen is yeah and she's like you know what uh, i'm not even gonna deal with this you guys do what you want i'm gonna go take a bath yeah get ready then, for bath. yeah and then for the next like 20 30 minutes it's kind of like rinse lather repeat of everybody splitting up <laughs> yeah everyone's splitting up and then someone disappearing 
Um, First uh, former game show host, long-haired girl, who was... She did this because she wanted to be famous by capturing ghosts on camera. She does, and then she's killed. Remember, this was 1999 when stuff like that was would have definitely sold. Yeah, but definitely done well. And so she kind of disappears, and everyone's like, where's she at? And they start blaming Stephen Price for this because they're like, you set all this up. He's like, no, I have nothing to do with this. Um, Just out of uh, curiosity, um, I don't know if you know or if it was explained, the decision that we are in this house to begin with was made at, was made at the beginning when uh, Jensen's character or Jansen's, is it Janison? It's Jansen. Yeah. When her character is like, she's in the bathtub and she saw a documentary about this place, the haunted asylum thing. Did it say how much time passed between her saying, I want it here and them actually being there? No, I I could imagine it's probably like a couple weeks or something like that. Okay, because I was about to say what we eventually find out later. I was like, this would have taken some time to pull off, but if, but like if it yeah, had... there's definitely some time between like the beginning when he's shown off the theme park and okay, when that's the party a, that's happens. all I was yeah. that's all I was wondering. Yeah, continue. Yeah, and so Stephen Price like I don't know what's going on, so he starts looking at through the security cameras trying to figure out what's going on, and he sees the doctor, ghost doctor, on the camera, but he thinks it's someone his wife hired to be in costume or whatever yeah at this point him and his wife both think that the other is or they're trying both to kill yeah yeah or, or trying to like do something like that i think that whole subplot was kind of forced because but um it very much goes back that one was in there to uh, just kind of just because it was in the first just because it was in the first that movie. was the main plot of the first movie yeah yeah that i think that bit was a little bit forced but yeah but I will say, though it is, uh, Jeffrey Rush is very, very entertaining on screen as yeah. a substitute Vincent Price character. Yeah, I I enjoyed his performance. So I will say that that he was part yeah. of the thing that was winning me over in the beginning. I was like, oh my god, I love Jeffrey Rush. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they both keep saying how the other one is trying to kill them, and yeah. they're just resentful. Yeah, and then he sees his wife is missing from her bed, so they're all searching for her. Next, you know, see her going getting shocked in the electroshock therapy station. Which you would think that... Uh, well, I'll, I'll talk about that yeah. later. You would think... For an abandoned was, place. Yeah. For an abandoned you place. You would think there'd po- be that much uh, electricity there. Yeah, that's what I was... That's yeah. one of the things I was going to say. You know, for an abandoned yeah, place... Much, was, yeah. Yeah, how is all this stuff still working? Well, I guess uh, Pritchett's character, his family takes care of it. Because they own it. I was going to say either that... Oh, yeah. yeah. Either that or... Um, I was gonna say Vincent Price like paid to get the electricity turned back on or all the stuff turned on or whatever. But that could also be the case because he's supposed to be like an eccentric millionaire. That's why I was so, asking yeah. uh, like how much time had passed because yeah. like the time enough for them to like get the house like going all set up. Yeah, and you know they're doing everything they can to shut off the shock therapy, and they finally do. And the doctor pronounces Stephen Price's wife dead. Yep, and he's like, "I didn't do this, guys. I swear." So that means one of you guys are the killer. And they're like, no, we all see how much you hate Roy. Obviously, you did this. So they lock him into this. I love that they all just immediately turn on him. <laughs> yeah, they're like, yeah, obviously you did this. So they lock him into this chamber thing, which I don't know how, what to call that. Well, yeah. Well, obviously it was made to do some kind of psychological torture to whoever, whichever was patient in was in there. Because it was... I forget what those things are called, but it's a picture that... If like a moving picture, yeah. Yeah, moving picture kind of thing from like the... Well, the asylum was big in the 1930s, so 
one of those motion picture things that I, I'm just assuming that it's yeah. meant to like psychologically break you. Yeah. Which I don't know why he yeah. didn't just close his eyes. I mean, he Jeffrey Rush. He's not he's not shackled up and forced to like what, but he he puts on the eyewear. Uh, yeah. He 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 kind of like grabs onto the. He like kind of like sets himself up as if he's a patient, and he's like he doesn't he didn't need to do that. He could have just closed his eyes because uh, yeah. that's where they lock well, him up. So, I mean, they lock him up in there, and then Tanix and Ali Lautner go look for the other girl. They're like, still need to find her. Yeah, and he's like, well, I'm gonna stay here with him. Uh, Blackburn, the doctor. He's like, I'm gonna stay here with him. Blackburn, the doctor. Yeah, the Peter Gallagher doctor. Yeah. Yeah. So he's like, turns on the machine just to fuck with him. Yeah. Because he was actually plowing his wife. Plowing his wife, and they were in on this whole thing. Yeah. To make it look like she died. Yeah, and now they're trying to come up with a plan to get one of the other people to shoot her husband for her. And she's like, I don't think they're scared enough. I think they're gonna need another body. So she brutally kills the doctor. Stabs Blackburn and... Yeah, decapitates him. Yeah, cuts his head off. Yeah. And while all this is happening, you know, they're looking around, and they're like, we haven't seen Blackburn for a while. So they go down there to check on him, see a big, you know, pool of blood, and they open the machine that Stephen uh, Fred's in, and Blackburn's head's there. <laughs> and they're like, what that woman the work, work. That woman works fast, apparently. Yeah, and they're like, what the hell? So they run out of there, and they see Stephen Price running down the hall. It's like, I need help. House is alive. I need help. But she must be super strong, too, because she... Did she, like, drag his body off somewhere? Uh, I think Stephen so, Price? yeah. So she she kills Blackburn, cuts his head off, goes to where Stephen Price is. He, he's, like, out of it delirious because he got psychologically... I don't know if she drug him off, or she just kind of opened the door and let him wander, wander off. off all, you know... Disorientated, yeah, delirious. So Ali Lautner's like, you need to get away from me. No, you're a psychopath. Get away from me. He's like, help, help. And she empties a clip of a gun on him. <laughs> a terrible shot, by the way. Like, yeah. Just blindly just, shooting. <laughs> yeah. Which is good luck for Stephen Price. Yeah, which we find out later. Yeah. So they leave the area, and then Frank Jansen comes in the scene, basically tells Stephen Price how much she hates him, and how much she's going to love to take his money. Oh, turns out he's alive. Another plot twist. I was wearing a bulletproof vest. Bulletproof vest. Yeah. So they start physically fighting, and he throws her through a wall. Which then you got this black CGI smoke. The darkness. The darkness. Completely envelop her. And turns out like, there oh, are ghosts. Yeah, he's like, oh shit, we need to go. Because at this point you're thinking, oh, this was all orchestrated. That, that, yeah. that, that both this wife and husband had elaborate plans to fuck oh, yeah. with each other. And yeah. it turns out that these ghosts are actually real. Yeah. So he's running up. He's like, we need to go, guys. We need to find a way out. They're like, you're supposed to be dead. He's like, just go. Not. Yeah, <laughs> let's go. We need to get out of here. And they all start getting chased by this, the darkness. And they get to the top. Where, like, we could probably pull, like, you know, one of the graders and stick a thing. Just open up one of the windows for a little bit. So they do that. Ollie Lautner gets out. Cable snaps. Tate Diggs gets stuck inside. Vincent Price and Pritchett were both enveloped by the darkness. Well, Pritchett got enveloped first. Yeah. And then right before Tate Diggs gets enveloped by the darkness, you think, oh, great, he's not surviving either. See, Pritchett goes pull on the pulley system to open up the window and let him out. Yeah. And as they're sitting on the edge, really nowhere to go. They're just happy to be out. 
they're also there with the envelope with uh, $5 million in cashier checks. Yeah, that uh, yeah. Stephen Price had written out earlier and uh, yeah. said if you guys all live through the night, then you get a million dollars. Yeah, so they get $2.5 million each. Not bad. Not bad. Well, that was also in 1999, so... Yeah, so even better. <laughs> even better. And, and that is the movie. Did you stay for the post credit scene? No. In the post credit scene, it's all black and white footage. You see the asylum patients basically torturing the uh, the Price husband and wife for all of eternity. They're like strapped to a gurney table while the asylum residents torture them for all of eternity in the afterlife. Oh, wow. I've watched this movie at least 20 times. Mm-hmm. Never stayed for the post credit scene. Only reason I knew about it was just because after watching it, I went and... Every time I watch it, I go and I look on the wiki just to kind of like scroll through to see some other like that's how I found out about William Malone. Yeah, and then uh, I I saw at the very end it said in a post credit scene. This so I was like, oh really? Oh wow! So you said um, before we even started this, yeah, your words were, I know it's not a good movie, <laughs> but I still like it. Yes, and as a critic, there I saw so many problems with this movie, but also as someone, I just I saw this kid this movie for the first time when I was like nine or ten years old oh it's that definitely was the greatest thing yeah yeah well I'll tell you one thing like I texted you when I was like 12 minutes in and I said yeah you know what I'm kind of here for this and you know it was a lot due to Jeffrey Rush yeah I I love Jeffrey Rush and seeing him as kind of like a stand-in Vincent Price kind of character yeah. I was like yeah I was like you know he's not Vincent Price he doesn't have that aura that Vincent Price has but that I do gravitas, yeah but I do enjoy seeing him on screen like not, not I've seen him in plenty of other stuff and he's always entertaining but this I kind of like him as this like sleazy he's a he's a uh, amusement park mogul rich guy who hates yeah. his wife he's he had one of the funny uh, lines in the beginning where he was on the phone with his wife and somebody said uh, he's like sorry I had to take this phone call somebody said oh was it business or pleasure he said neither it was my wife wife yeah <laughs> I was like ah I love this dude oh, yeah I can I can totally see why you would find this entertaining like it's I was doing my best to watch this and not compare it to the original, but yeah, when you do that, you start running into like, oh. But yeah. there's so many nods and so many like it trying to be the original, but not yeah. that I kind of had to. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, like all the way down to him calling himself Stephen Price. I was like, <laughs> every time you call, you call each like she kept like they kept saying his knife Price, Price, Price. As like, yeah. yeah, we know. Like <laughs> you're, we, you're, we get it. It's it's you're referencing Vincent Price. And the fact that they were they were very over the top with them like hating each other that I was like I, I kind of we saw two movies in which um, Vincent Price played a man who like hates his wife that and the Tingler and that, the Tingler uh yeah and and but in the Tingler and in that in even that situation I was like you know they obviously hate each other but I could totally see them. That this just being their kink, where that they just hate each other, and then they just have wild, passionate sex, like like <laughs> when everybody else is gone. Yeah. But I don't get that from I'm, at this point. I'm like, dang, you guys hate each other so much. I can't even imagine you guys like even hooking up in the first place. Like, but, oh, and, I mean, they give little tidbits of information to explain how. Like he calls her uh, trailer trash farm girl. Yeah, it's like well, you I guess imagine he, he probably was setting up like a carnival somewhere and like she put on that southern yeah. bell charm and he sees her yeah and then... i will say this so this was stephen price's plan 
uh, hire a group of people, trick people into thinking that the house is haunted, let people believe his wife is dead, let people think that he killed his wife, hope that somebody wouldn't shoot him in the head, come back, murder his wife, and then I guess run away? Like, um... Well, they said he had plans to, like, murder his wife, but you never actually see the plan that he had to murder her. Yeah, like, we, we, we know that he was aware of his wife's infidelity and planning yeah. on pinning all of this stuff on him, but... Yeah. I don't know what his plan was. Like, I don't, I don't know what his, like, all right, this is, I have this all laid out that this is how it's going to go. I don't know what his. Maybe his plan was to murder her and, you know, pin it on Blackburn. Also considering that the list, this new list that was drawn up by the ghost, I guess. Yeah. Included, included, um, Blackburn. So, but Jeffrey Rush, Stephen Price, he had his own list. Yeah. So these people were invited like last minute. He wasn't Blackburn wasn't even on the list. Maybe so, Blackburn was on his list. Because I was like, so so he thing. heard about all of this, but Blackburn wasn't even meant to even be there. Yeah, there are some plot holes in this movie. <laughs> yeah, and because uh, there are plot holes, the CGI remember, doesn't hold up. <laughs> doesn't age well. Well, I was also going to say that. The, that's why I was. The, the editing is what made me go, you know, this kind of feels very fear.com-ish with all these Dutch angles and with all these Dutch angles and the editing where it's like things moving in fast motion and things being blurry to just kind of seem disturbing. And then when I looked at who it was William Malone, I was like, oh, that makes a whole lot of sense because that is the exact same stuff I was complaining about in fear.com, yeah. even <laughs> down to the Dutch angles. Yeah, maybe I need to watch fear.com as a kid to like it. Maybe, but again, like I said, you I enjoy think, this one, but you haven't seen it till now. I enjoyed, I enjoyed Jeffrey Rush, and I can't also fault it solely on the. Te- well, I can, but I can't say that it's the only one that's ever had these issues with technicals yeah. because from 1998 to like 2000 and like, like 20 three. or 2003, like, like so many movies were like that. So many movies were like that. I said, this is kind of giving me fear.com, uh, yeah. a little bit of ghost ship vibes. Yeah. Um, and I, I didn't mention one other, but I was like, it just, it has that feeling. It, that's just kind of what movies were. Period, yeah. So. Would it surprise you to know there's a sequel? <laughs> not not for a movie like this. Uh, like, in all honesty, this seems like, I, I, I wouldn't put it past a movie like this to be like, and there's a sequel. <laughs> who's who's in the sequel uh, or, or, or tell me what 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 is the do you have like the wiki up tell me the i'm bringing it up right now uh it came out in 2007 what does it say is the synopsis directed by uh victor garcia sounds familiar. um so it's straight to dvd just in case anyone was wondering what was the like one or two sentence synopsis that it gives okay uh ariel wolf is the sister of Sarah Wolf, the survivor mm-hmm. of what happened eight years prior. Which at the time, you know. So they decide to go back to the house. Ariel and her friend Paul go back to the house. And yeah, really explain why they go back. And I guess the house is haunted. <laughs> yeah. You know, I watched this movie a couple of years ago. I can't remember a damn thing about it. Oh, the sequel? Yeah. I'll also say that um, before I forget that one of the things that was kind of like... Well, halfway through, I kind of already figured what the twist was going to be. I kind of thought, all right, in the original, it was all Vincent Price trying to kill his wife. It was all an elaborate scheme. I bet you that a lot of what's happening right now is really her trying to kill Stephen Price. 
And I turned out to be right on that. And then even further, I was saying to myself, all right, because they gave away that twist in the, in the halfway point, I was like, I bet you that it's going to turn out there are really ghosts. And then it turned out there were really ghosts. Yeah. And then I was like, all right, I'm going to have a final guess. I'm going to guess that uh, Pritchett is actually the reincarnated ghost or the descendant of the evil surgeon. That one wasn't true, no. but I, I thought that's where it was going. But yeah. even the ghosts weren't really a twist because they gave away that something supernatural was happening at the very beginning. Yeah. When the when the uh, the letter got retyped. So I was like, you guys are kind of just giving away all of these twists way before you should. Yeah, but that is another plot hole is, you know, the list getting retyped. Uh-huh. Like, how the fuck does the ghost of the house know that? Like, oh... People are planning to come here like seven months from now. Let me uh, Go make ahead. sure we get the right people here. So it, it it makes it pretty much puts it out there that the ghosts have power outside of the house. Yeah, and then I think one of the big things I kind of remember from the second one is that none of the ghosts have been able to leave the house. <laughs> but apparently they can. By Doctor Vander. Yeah. So I mean, so, yeah. W- with a movie like this, you, you have to be like, all right. Well, if, if you're going to make a big thing out of pointing out all the plot holes, you're going to be here for a little bit. So you might as well just like, just go ahead and accept that it's going to happen. <laughs> this movie's just dumb fun. Yes, I'll I'll agree with that. Dumb fun, yeah. What else? I'm looking through my notes here. I, know, I pretty much said everything. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And it's also a 90 minute movie, so it's not. So like, it doesn't overstay its welcome. Yeah. Um. I will. Say, oh, do you have a favorite scene of the movie? Favorite scene, probably the one where uh, where it was like get separated from the group and she's following what she thinks is Tay Diggs uh, and leads her to a pool of blood and she almost gets drowned in it, yeah. Yeah, even that we kind of was like, all right, so there are hallucination and ghosts and stuff like that, so yeah. the twist that there's a ghost at the end doesn't really, like, yeah, you already told us earlier. So yeah. like, uh, Mine is probably the very beginning when we're when Stephen Price is like giving his interview to these people. Yeah. Um, I don't know, I just love, I kind of wish that I, I wanted to see some more of this amusement park. In all honesty, <laughs> like they give us more of the park. We had we had an elevator that is made to look like the thing snaps and uh, that you're about to crash. That was cool. Then you had a whole, which I don't know how they did this, but the they have a roller coaster that made it look like a that it got derailed and yeah, that a beam broke off. Yeah, yeah, but they showed like. A, uh, a one of the roller coaster cars falling off and going off into the. Di- I don't know how they did that. Like, how is that? How does that translate to other people who are on the ride? You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I have no idea. Are they just eating off half the people that ride this ride? Because uh, it look. It's. I guess it's made because they have like, um, so, like some prosthetic things to make it look like some people are getting hurt on the attraction. But I was like, yeah, but how does that trans? So. Uh, it, it just was weird. I liked the idea, but I was like, that makes zero sense. I like the idea. Yeah. Truly, I do. And I love the idea of an amusement park that a lot of the scares is like, oh, this shit is def- is, is faulty and we're going to die just by riding it. Yeah. Like much of this movie. Love the idea. But once you start thinking too much into it, you're going to be like, what? This makes no sense. Yeah. Do you want Do you want to break it down? Yeah. All right. Uh, so let's start with the story. Okay. <laughs> now this is hard because the story is like all over the place it really is it has so many plot holes but I love the movie so I don't want to bash it but I'm going to have to give it 
a four? Okay, I mean, I gave it a three. Like, okay. It, the story, there are a lot of things that is just like, all right, but why? Why did that yeah. happen? <laughs> or but why? How, how did that happen? Like, yeah. even down to... Stephen Price's convoluted plan. Like I was like, I don't know what you were. What, I don't know what your plan was here, dude. Like, yeah. like you have. <laughs> like I, I, just, I was like, what, what was what was what was the end goal here? Like I know you wanted to kill your wife at the end, but you you had to believe that you were gonna get shot only in your chest. You had to. Yeah. What if you aimed the gun like five inches higher, got you in the head, bro? <laughs> you ever seen Dumb and Dumber, where where, where they had a plan and he's like. Well, what if he shot me in the head? And he's like, "Yeah, wait. What if he shot me in the head?" Well, that was just a risk I was prepared, willing to take. And and then uh, I guess what he would come back to life and then kill his wife. Yeah. And then what? Like run away because they already think that he killed his wife anyway. So yeah. even if he were to come back, kill his wife, he would have to go into hiding because people would be like, "Oh, the story is that this dude murdered his wife." I have no idea. Yeah. This movie is a movie you kind of have to turn your, off your brain when you go into it. Because, like I said, once you start thinking too much into it, yeah, it falls apart. But you can have a lot of fun with this movie. Technicals? Technicals. All right. CGI did not age well. No. No. I'm going to give it a four. I give it a two. <laughs> a two? <laughs> like, when, as soon as I started seeing all these Dutch angles, and then I looked yeah. and I saw it was William Malone, I was like, oh, this is the same dumb shit from Fear.com. And then... It was weird. Like in the lobby, they kept having this like weird light that come in, came kept coming in and out of the yeah. uh, of the living room, and would like shine into the lens. And yeah. I will say this: that some of the visuals had potential. Like much like with Fear.com, it had potential, especially when Stephen Price was going crazy. Yeah, and and he's getting visions of getting attacked by the asylum doctors and stuff like that. And he, there's like a, a shot of him like underwater, and he comes across a face with a giant mouth. And I was like, see, all of these visuals have potential, but it's the janky editing that just keeps kind of spoiling it. it. Yeah. yeah. All right, let's move into enjoyment. You can go first on this one. Enjoyment, I gave it a six and a half. Six and a half. I can see why people would enjoy this. Um, Jeffrey Rush and nostalgia is what gives me a six and a half for this yeah. because I said, well, this era and style of horror isn't great it is the kind that i would always watch in a group back when i was a, you know a teenager yeah. um so i you know this is this was like a lot of my friday night movies with my group of friends we just yeah. get junk food and just put on a fun mindless whatever movie and this was a lot like those kind of movies yeah. so six and a half it made me feel nostalgic we'll go i will give it a seven that's that's cool. Yeah, it's. Yeah. I, I think that's right at home between a six and a half to seven and a half. Like, or, yeah, because it's yeah. Yeah. So my total score for this movie is a fifteen out of thirty. And what was yours? Mine, Three, I think, two, eleven and eleven and a half. half out of thirty. Which just like I said, out of curiosity, because I always like I said not to compare it. House Haunted Hill. Just just to see what the old tomato meter just for shits and giggles. Uh, oh, gives it a thirty-one percent actually, which is actually higher than I thought it would. In fact, it it's mine's only the our score is only better by not that much. Yeah. That's the uh, that's the critic score. The audience score is forty-two percent, so it's not too far off. In all honesty, yeah, the original has an audience, uh tomato meter of uh, seventy-eight and an audience oh. score of seventy-eight. And like that, this is this was not at all the worst movie we've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, 
In fact, I wouldn't have even had it in our season of bad movies. Because yeah. I can at least yeah. watch this and be like, I can understand the appeal. Should I do what we did with the last movie and read some of the uh, negative yeah. reviews for this movie? We ought to do that. Uh, th- we ought to implement that as part of uh, these reviews. It has uh, 43 negative comments. I'm not going to read them all. Okay. The climatic house versus human scenes were so ludicrous that I half expected Catton to revert to uh, his Mr. Peepers persona from SNL. Oh, Catan. It's, yeah, and start battling the evil ink blocklets with spat out chunks of apple. I gotta say, as part of my uh, reason why I gave it a low on technicals is that I added acting into the technicals bit, and I was like, Chris Catan's acting in this was not great. No. <laughs> uh, like, you know, Catan's okay, but I mean... There, there was a line like ha- uh, one point in the beginning where he's like, "I want my money, give it to me now." Uh, like it just sounded like I was like, "Dude, you no take two. Like just for every scene that Jeffrey Rush kills, it, Katana was like, "I was like, yeah." And I thought it was hilarious that he kept like <laughs> he failed to get out once, and then he was like, "Well, nothing else I can do." And then all yeah. he did was just drink and complain. Let's see. All the visual bravada doesn't fill in the gaping plot holes or generate any real frights. True. True. Yeah, can't can't argue with that. Yeah. Decent special effects and a few scary moments simply don't justify bothering with this resurrected movie concept that deserves to be left sealed in its crypt. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say true, but I was like, I I still I still enjoy Jeffrey Rush. Right. Fails to deliver even one good. Moment. I will say that I was never scared at any of this, but no. a lot of the times I did watch, you know, I would watch a movie like this and still just kind of, it's like you said, it's mindless entertainment. Yeah. Well, it's weird because okay. as I was watching it, I never once like was going like, oh, this is painful. I've, I've sat through movies that I was like, yeah. oh God, I cannot keep watching this. This is so hard to watch. Well, some Lou Luminick for the New York Post. On January 1st, 2000, called this movie slow-moving and yawn-inducing. In some parts. Yeah. And then William Malone tosses wandering lunatics, mad doctors, and hell spawns into the mix right off the bat, which then makes it all that much more difficult to maintain an air of unease throughout. Yeah, it was it was yeah. too much like stuff thrown in that it was like stuff that, well, on its own would be scary, but then when you threw it all together, it was like... Yeah. If you have a, uh, it was an insane asylum with an evil mad surgeon. There's ghosts here, but it's also an evil house and a subplot about two married couples yeah. trying to get one over on each other. <laughs> was... Yeah. All right. This is the last one. Loud, sloppy, stupid, and inept. The film wastes Rush and Peter Gallagher, along with several lesser talents of Janison, Tay Diggs, and Chris Kintan. I mean, all true. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's all true. Yeah. Can't, can't argue with it, but I mean, still. Yeah. I, I still watched it and was not upset. No. <laughs> Again, you, I can understand you being like, yeah, hey, man, I, I still like it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know what to tell you. Like, yeah, all Ten-year-old of, me thought this was a cinematic masterpiece before I knew what horror movies was all about. But... Like, all of what you said is 100% true, but I can't help it. <laughs> yeah. And like I said, I watched this kind of, I watched tons of these kind of movies back when I was a teenager and like just would have fun with it. And I'm probably, I'm going to watch this movie again and again. You know what it kind of felt like more like? It felt like a haunted house, not a legit haunted house, but a haunted 
walkthrough. Yeah. Right? Like the ones that you would go to on during Halloween. We have yeah. one up here, a haunted hunt club farm where there's just you you walk through and there's like all these quote unquote scary things that come out and pop. That's kind of what it felt like. Yeah. Which I can enjoy that. Yeah. Right. So we had so that was your that was the last this was our last movie review. Our last individual movie review. Um I don't know if this is going to be the last one that's going to come out during the season or we might have one of the special episodes out right after but yeah probably kind of, a special holiday one so we'll be following this one it's kind of a bummer just because i mean i know we never really stop recording no because even when we're on a season break we're like all right let's uh let's start recording a couple episodes so we'll have them to edit for the next season but i don't know whenever we get to the ends of these and things we still have uh we still got one or two more that we need to record or yeah but coming yeah. close to the end yeah it's always so kind we, of uh, yeah. yeah. So we appreciate you guys listening. Yeah, and I, just a quick question: <laughs> When we this is season five. Yeah. When we started and ended season one, did you think that we were going to even get up to seasons five or six? Uh, by the end of season one. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah. You thought by the end, like, all right, we've yeah. got a good rapport going on. I think yeah, we can make going, this work. Yeah, I was like, we could make this work. Towards the beginning, I wasn't sure because I had no idea what we were do what we were going to do, but. I was, I was trying uh, to think yeah. around what see around what episode where you were like, all right, I can see this working. This guy's not a total asshole, and we can. You know. I think once we started like getting guests on and all that, I'm like, okay. Once we're we doing had like Han- right, yeah. Once we had Haley Newland for the first time, and we were able to have a third person to kind of we could like take turns like bouncing like conversations like and yeah. whatnot. Then we were like, okay, we're kind of seeing how the dynamic works a little bit better. Yeah. And it only took two and a half uh, y- uh, years for us to finally have a our first semi argument, <laughs> yeah. And all of it because I it was a misunderstanding, yeah. But as of this recording, we don't know what the next season is going to hold for us because we have yet to record our final verses to determine who's going to have creative control. Yes. So you guys stay tuned, and I appreciate you guys listening. Have a good week, everybody. Peace. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to Body Bag Podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe and leave us a comment as to what you'd like to hear us review or any horror movie topics you'd like to hear us rant and rave about. And while you're at it, you can find us on Twitter at Body Bag Pod and on Instagram at Body Bag Podcast. Thanks, and we'll see you next time.